talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on your various podcast platforms with the one and only John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell. This is a Sixers-heavy episode. We've been sort of sticking with that theme lately. We'll also talk a little baseball and the sticky stuff, the controversy with the pitchers and all the nonsense right now going on in Major League Baseball. They seem to cheat every day, baseball players, and yet baseball still can't figure it out. So we'll go with the Sixers and sticky stuff episode. John Mita, how the hell are you? Well, Joe, I mean, I'm doing good considering I attended a beautiful uh, wedding this weekend. Um, So that was nice. Um, Shauna's sister, Taryn, got married to a great guy named John Guy. I was there for the weekend and got a quick visit into Jupiter, Florida. And uh, yeah, so the weekend was good. Everything except for that damn game seven. So that's kind of where I am still kind of digesting everything as far as what do the Sixers do now? But there is so many questions surrounding this basketball team and the future of it. It's uh, it's going to be a pretty important offseason for this franchise. Do you want to start with the series as a whole, the disappointment there? Do you just want to go sure. to the Game 5 collapse? Do you want to go to the Game 7 debacle? Well, I mean, I mean you, you take it any way you want, brother, and I, I will sure. listen and respond when you're finished. All right. So – Start of the series, it looks like, you know, game one happens. Looks like the Sixers, you know, pardon the expression, just like all the baseball players with the sticky substance. Looks like they got caught with their pants down. But, um, you know, they got back and they take a 2-1 commanding lead. You're like, you're feeling good about it. You know, and then they go up in these games where they have these huge leads, but you just never had the sense that they were going to be able to close out this basketball team. Atlanta's very scrappy. Again, I just want to make a quick point. And, you know, the NBA, they don't have the power or the authority to find me twenty-five to $35,000. But the officials absolutely sucked in the series. They sucked in the series before. And they've been just god-awful for a lot of the playoff games. So in the offseason, maybe they do need to do a little correction of that. I also heard the NBA might institute a rule where they're going to try to, like, certain players that do to draw fouls, like, use certain moves to draw fouls. They're going to look at that. Well, you know, this is something that should have been looked at years ago. Now now they want to come. Anyway, back to the Sixers. Um, I just, it's, the, I mean, you hate to quote Denny Green. Is this a team where they are who we thought they were, right? Like, this was a huge, this was, so if we know, if we know anything from what happened to this team last year, right, the changes are made. Boom. They bring in a couple new shooters. Boom. They get the coach they need, Doc Rivers. Um, and, and Joel Embiid comes in of his career. You can tell the guy worked his ass off in the offseason, and then there's questions if, if the other guy. For this the team to go far and, and to be a championship-caliber team, um, we're going to need both those superstars to just take the next step. One of them did, but then there was one that didn't. 
And that brings me to Ben Simmons. And just like I said in our intro, for the love of God, Ben Simmons learned how to shoot. Again, we're entering year five, and the guy has just shown nothing, nothing to improve. And it's just crazy to me. I don't understand how someone just digresses. Like this crazy thing. Listen to this stat for a second, right? In the 2017-2018 playoffs, he averaged 16 points a game. He averaged six field goals made. um, Shot like 48%. And his free throw percentage was, um, let's see, was close to, it was 70%. This is in 2017. How does one player go from 70% to 34.2%, which is the lowest in playoff history with anybody that has taken 70 free throws? It's just, I don't know, man. I just, I think he is who he is. He's a great defensive player. He does so many other great things, Joe. But when it comes down to it, you look at a guy like Damian Lillard or some of these other great guards, and I, I know he's one of the best guards in the NBA, so maybe that's not the best example. But you need a point guard that's going to want the ball in his hands when it comes down to clunch time, and he's going to either, A, get you a bucket by himself, or he's going to find someone else to get a bucket. And I think the biggest, and, and everyone's talked about this, the biggest thing in this series was Ben Simmons posts up. He spins to the baseline, has the opportunity to just unleash hell on the rim, and he gives up the basketball to Thibel, who gets fouled, and then makes one and two free throws. That was the series in a nutshell. Um, we also have to blame, you know, there's got to be some plenty of blame on Doc Rivers. You know, this is another series lead in the playoffs where he has had the advantage in the series and, then, and has ended up choking it away. Just like Joe Girardi, maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was as far as comes to coaching adjustments. You know, when they started out good, they're rolling, they're rolling great. But when the other team made some adjustments specifically on how to defend Joel and And some other adjustments like fouling Ben Simmons to try to make some free throws, which he totally just, you know, screwed the pooch on. It's just the assistant coaches, where were their voices? Somebody on that bench has got to make up mind, but they they just fell short, and it's unacceptable, and it'll be interesting to see what Daryl Morey does this offseason. But as far as disappointments goes, this is right up there. There's no way that the Atlanta Hawks are a better basketball team than the Philadelphia 76ers this year. There is just no way in hell. And to lose three games on your home floor, a home floor that has just been bananas as far as a home court advantage goes, it's just completely unacceptable. And people can say they can try to fix Ben Simmons. I know he's not going to play for Team Australia. He's going to work on his craft in the offseason. Well, what about the four offseasons that he didn't work on his craft? That's what I don't know. Does the kid love the game? Does he want to be great? These are the questions you have to ask yourself right now. Does he want it? Because I don't know that he does. And people would kill me. Oh, it's like Ben Simmons hater. You, you know, you never give him credit when credit's due. You know, I wanted to trade him for John Morant years ago. People laughed in my face like, you're, you're silly. He's so young. But you know what? You're giving the choice between John Morant and Ben Simmons right now. I'm taking damn John Morant. And it's not even a question. Like, it's not even close. Like, 
give me a guy that can give you 40 in a playoff performance. That's a guy I need. John, I mean, you, for a long time, you did defend Ben Simmons. You thought he was fixable. You thought he had all the tools to be a, uh, a, a Hall of Fame type point guard or, a, or a, you know, an athletic guard that makes all-star yeah. games and, you know, all NBA teams. I mean, you thought he was defensive player of the year this year. So, I, you know, you, you had your time in his corner. And I, I'm, I think it's fair to say that's gone now, like most of Philadelphia. And Ben Simmons yeah. brought that upon himself. So one word answer, John Mead, is Ben Simmons on the basketball team next year? Can't be. No, he can't. He can't. When your own, when your own teammates are calling you out, specifically Joel Embiid, and when they want – and here's the, here's, the, here's the other reason why he can't be on the team, and, and this is the sole purpose, right? You saw what Joel Embiid brought to the table this year. Okay, let's just say his window is three years of good health for the next three years where he can play at an extremely high level – yeah, it's been the way that he played this year. You can't waste that. So the time to strike the iron is now. And look at this. If they found a way to win that series, go up against the Bucks, a very beatable team, okay? Then it looks like you're going to be playing the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard or you're going to be playing the Phoenix Suns. I mean, the, the path was there to, to, to ring the bell, to, to, to hoist the banner. And we blew an absolute golden opportunity. And specifically, a lot of that's due to the, the, the miscomings of Ben Simmons. I mean, listen, there's other players that could have played better. I'll be the first one to say it. It was a lot more impactful than I thought it ever would be. Um, Just to have that veteran presence, another guy that can make a shot when nobody else can make a goddamn shot. Excuse my language. Um, But... It's just so frustrating, but honest to God, I don't think he can come back. Now, here's what I will say. You better get a haul for him, okay? Like, and I know you're not going to get, you know, three first-round draft picks, but you better get something meaningful, and you might have to get another team involved. This might be a three-way deal where you ship in one direction, you get a superstar from someone else, and then you have to give up draft assets. I do like some of the young players on this team, I love the draft class. I think there's a lot of promise there when you look at Tyrese Maxey and, and Paul Reed and a guy like Isaiah Joe. But I think they are just they are missing that one other piece, that guy that can give them 25 to 30, or God forbid they need to give them 40 one night. And if you get that piece with Joel Embiid, I think this team could be unstoppable. Honest to God, I'm calling the Portland Trailblazers on the phone and going, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? We want Dame. We'll give you Ben. I, I'm either Thibel or Maxi, and I'm giving up two first rounders. And I know that sounds sick in the head, and I know that's like three to four players. But if your window is three years, then you got to take advantage of it right now. And clearly, Damian Lillard's in his prime right now. He's ready to go. He's. Let's get it done. Bigger disappointment. Oof. The fact that the Eagles in their early 2000 years didn't get it done. This Sixers window of the last, say, three years where we knew they were at least close or the fact that Philly's only won one World Series in that 07 to 2011 run, as it stands right now? Um, Man, that is a very difficult question you asked me. (laughs) Um, You know, I I mean, I said, man, this is right up there with being so disappointed because all the stars align. You know, LeBron's out of it. 
You know, the West isn't doesn't seem as strong as it usually is. You know, the Brooklyn Nets, we all thought were a juggernaut. They get bounced, you know. It just but I'll tell you the two thousand damn it, if those teams have receivers, you know, we might have been looking at a couple Super Bowls if they ever drafted a damn receiver worth a crap. So I don't I'll, I'll I'll say this, Johnny made it to answer my own question. I knew I kind sure. of gave gave sure. me an on the fly there. But like the it. fact that the Sixers at any point during this little stretch have not even re- reached the final four, so to speak, yeah. makes that a bigger disappointment. Now, I listen, agree. when you lose in the Super Bowl or you lose in the NLCS or, you know, you get to the uh, Stanley Cup conference final, whatever the situation is, you get close, like even closer. It's more painful, but I think it's more disappointing and just – you know, in a way embarrassing and a flat out joke when you don't even get to the, you know, as a number one seed, you don't even get to the point where it becomes heartbreak hotel. It's just, it's just disgusting. You know, it's just uh, makes you want to puke sick to your stomach with the fact they didn't show up. Um, And here, here's my whole thing. You mentioned it. Three losses on the home court to an Atlanta Hawks team and underdog. The Hawks were seven-point underdog by most betting lines in Game 7. They won by seven. Vegas is never that wrong. So, obviously, the Sixers didn't show up. They don't have the right mentality. They had guys that were afraid of the moment, and I don't know why. Uh, I'm not sure why. And I've, I've said this for a number of years now, and I've never really been concrete on it, but I wonder how much of it is the city of Philadelphia. The pressure that comes with playing in this city, whether it's Markel Fultz, whether it's Carson Wentz, whether it's Ben Simmons now, maybe it's Carter Hart in two years we're talking about it. I don't know, but we seem to have these athletes, these potential stars that don't live up to their hype. They can't get it done. I'm not talking about injuries. I'm not talking about extenuating circumstances. I'm talking about when the light is its brightest, you don't even step up to the table. And all we've ever asked as a city is to play hard and to play harder, right? Like, that's it. Like, show up and compete. Give us an honest effort. If you miss the shot, yeah, you might get crushed, but that's every city. But when you don't show up or when it looks like you're scared or when you don't want to be in that moment, we have no time for that. And is it fair? I don't know. These guys make millions of dollars. It's easy for for us to sit in our couches and criticize them and to label them as boss or soft or mentally weak or whatever. I, I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's how we are. And I don't know that's going to change. And I saw Dan Lepitard on his show the other day or this morning kind of said, you know, this is a, we're a mean city. We're cruel to our sports teams and our athletes. And yeah, Ben Simmons didn't live up to the hype essentially. I'm paraphrasing here, but this is what Philly's about. And essentially like that's on us. Like that's, that's Philly's bad that we are so hard on our athletes. Again, I'm paraphrasing. And it's made me, again, think about why this happens to us. You know? Or is it just more magnified because we're such a big city population-wise and sports-wise and the limelight's always on our fans, etc. But it's just crazy to me that the whole team seemed like they were scared of the moment. The only guy that showed any moxie in games 6 and 7 was Tyrese Maxey. He played one minute in game 5, which you could have used the bucket down the stretch, by the way. Game six, he's the reason they won game six. Game seven, he took two shots. Like, I, it's just, 
it was frustrating to watch it play out and almost know what was going to happen. Yeah, well, Ben you know? Simmons. And the here's fourth- the other thing: I I don't understand, me to John, me to why, why in the hell does this team, like, how do they go win a game six in Atlanta and then come back and basically lay an egg? I didn't think they were good at all in game seven. They didn't get many bounces, but there were offensive rebounds to be had, or they gave up second chance points. They had 17 turnovers. They missed crucial free throws throughout the series. It just seemed like they couldn't. It was like there was pressure on them to win. How would this team have handled the conference finals or, God forbid, the NBA finals? Like, what would Ben Simmons have done in an NBA finals game six and game seven? He might have pooped his pants, pissed himself, and left the court crying. Like, well, seriously. I mean, it's embarrassing. Well, Four out of the seven games, Joe, he didn't take a he didn't take a shot in the final quarter. Yeah, yeah. and guess what? That's he was crazy. Three, he was he was three for three, I think it was, in fourth quarter shooting. He was like two for two in game one and one right. for one another game. So he didn't miss a fourth quarter shot, but he, he refused to take them. And that play that you talked about, okay, I saw a screenshot yesterday because the internet always wins. No, no. He does not have a defender within two feet of him. Yeah. And Thibel is like eight feet away. And yep. he's got the ball and he's going up like basically into the air. And he's got two defenders ready to jump. One over the backside, one on the front side. Worst case, he's getting fouled and he's getting the two free throws. Best right. case, he's it's an and one. And even if he bricks it, you still have the lead. Exactly. And yeah, instead, I mean- it's Thibel going to the line and he's not perfect. And he goes one for two. And the game was never the same. There was three and a half minutes left in that game. It was still yep. very much in doubt. It was back and forth. What were 20 lead changes? You know, nobody led by more than a handful. The Sixers, I don't even know if they led at all, for crying out loud, until the final couple of minutes when their, when their margin was slim. Most of the first half was controlled by Atlanta. And Ben Simmons, and the one thing he can do and do well and does well no matter what is dunk the basketball. And he wouldn't go up and do it. And there's nobody to put that on but himself. You can blame the city. You can blame the media. You can blame the pressure. You can have your brother, who's your shooting coach, allegedly, tell you you're great. Mom and dad can say you're great. Your, your inner crew, your circle, they can tell you it wasn't your fault how great you are. But when you look in the mirror, Ben Simmons, you look at that play, you tell me there was any other play to make other than dunk the basketball, and you're insane. Absolutely I, I just, insane. Here's the deal. When the guy took jump shots, let's say inside 14, 15 feet, I've never seen him go up, go straight up off two feet. He's always on one leg. He's fading away. He's like, just jump from two feet and shoot a shot. Like, it's it's not, like, I just, I don't know. I, it's just mind-blowing that somebody gets to this level five years down the line and just the one essential skill that he needs. Nobody goes to, I, I've been saying this for years, nobody goes to practice basketball and their game I don't see kids going to the court doing ball handling and rebounding drills. I just don't see it. What I see them doing is shooting, and all they do is shoot. And the quote Dame Lillard, he called out, he said, Steph Curry is the best shooter in the NBA, and it's a video that's been on Twitter, and I have it saved, and he said it's all about practice and repetition. And when you're gassed at the gym and you got to take 100 more shots, and if you can do that, you'll be able to replicate that in the game. He just said, basically, it just comes down to putting in the work. And I was like, well, maybe somebody can sign, send this to Ben Simmons. And again, I just, 
I, I think he's just complacent on where he is. Like, he knows he's a good, tight, all-star caliber player, and that's it. But he just doesn't want to be great. And if did you, you don't want to – What did you make of the huddle the last couple of minutes when they have the camera in the huddle? The, you know, the, I, the, the body language of the Sixers, to me, looked like they were down by 30. Yeah, and it was yeah. a one-possession game. Meanwhile, on the Hawks' sideline, they had the big Italian uh, Gallinari or whatever his name is. Yeah. And ended up having the strip and the and the eventual slam to essentially yeah. salt the game away. He was in there flexing his muscles and firing up the team. On the Sixers bench, he had a bunch of guys sitting on chairs, looking yeah. like they were seeing a ghost. And yeah. I didn't know if that was going to mean much, but now looking back at it, it meant a whole hell of a lot. Not one guy on that team stepped up, whether. They were too tired, whether they were too hurt, whether they were too scared. It doesn't matter it, whether it's the coaching staff. You know, you put – look, there's plenty of blame to go around. Joel Embiid wasn't perfect, but at least he competed his butt off. And, and, those, and those people, those people that want to pick, uh, pick apart that possession where he gets stripped there at the end, which essentially again salted the game away for the Hawks in game seven, that's fine, all right? He's got to be smarter or quicker with the ball. But the only reason – the only reason, in my opinion, Joel Embiid is even handling the basketball at that point and over-dribbling it is because there's no goddamn guard on the team that wanted the ball. JoJo shouldn't have to take it five feet outside the foul line and try and back a guy in. He should be able to get a ball you know, and, and take his shot or get to the rack quickly. But nobody was moving. Nobody did anything. They gave him the ball basically in isolation play like he's a guard, and he's not. He's seven foot whatever, and his job is to be in that paint. And instead, That's he's it. overhandling the ball because nobody else wanted anything to do with that basketball. Yep. Yep. And, again, and when, you know, when we see Tobias Harris as being the number two scorer, listen, he's the yeah, perfect He took 25 guy. shots. Perfect guy to be your third option. That's why they need the one option. And Joel Embiid, obviously, is your one option, but they need that killer guard player. And I don't, I don't know what it's going to take, but from this point on, I think I think we, we got to go in a different direction. All right, so the Ben Simmons era is over, according to John Mita. Uh, any other Sixers thoughts? I mean, I'm sure we can hash out more of this in future podcasts. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest, uh, NBA-wise or Sixers-wise? Well, it's no. I mean, I, I refuse to launch. I'll be rooting for the Phoenix Suns from here on out. With shout out to uh, Mikael Bridges. You know, that's uh, another guy that could have been on our team. But um, no, I'm gonna root for the Suns. I am, you know, trying not to think about the Sixers. But if there's anybody that can fix this, I think Daryl's the guy to do it. And so, I love what what he did this off season. I don't care what anyone says. You know, Howard Eskin was killing Daryl Morey about some of the picks. Well, they traded for George Hill. You know, that didn't run really. And I thought he made it make a bigger impact. Not about and He's pretty much gassed at the end of it. But he didn't really give up anything anyway. So he right. gave up Tony Bradley. But when you get Seth Curry, Danny Green, you get rid of Al Horford's albatross of a contract. You draft Tyrese Maxey, Paul Real, and Isaiah Joe in your first draft class. I would say you're doing some things. So I'm still... Not totally down on the future, but there's a big move that has to be made. So we'll see what happens. All right, I like the Suns to win it as well. I think the Bucks and Hawks are both Fugazi. 
and the Clippers are nothing without Kawhi. All right, to the uh, controversy in Major League Baseball. I don't know if you saw last night's Phillies game, but now Major League Baseball is allowing umpires or uh, essentially authorizing and telling umpires to check the pitchers, you know, either on their way out to the mound or after the inning's over uh, or a combination. Managers can request that a pitcher be checked for foreign substances. A lot has come out in recent days as former pitchers and current pitchers have been interviewed about the substances they use to, quote-unquote, get a better grip on the baseball, right? It's not for them to cheat. It's not for them to acquire better spin on the ball or higher velocity. All these pitchers are saying it helps them grip the baseball. It's rosin and sweat. It's sunscreen and rosin. It's it's pine tar. And baseball's trying to crack down because nobody's hitting the damn ball this year. So we had the steroid error where everybody was mashing. Now we have the pitching error where we've got, what, eight no-hitters in the first six weeks of the season or whatever it was because, you know, guys are able to grip the ball and do crazy things with it, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a pitcher. However, last night, Joe Girardi asked the umps to check Max Scherzer, who had already been checked a few times. He did it mid-inning. Scherzer lost his mind. He was upset. Girardi came out of the dugout. They were barking at each other. Thought we might have a bench clear. Girardi gets booted. End of the night, Phillies lose. Shocker. There's been a lot of talk. It's not only Philadelphia, it's all over baseball. So the sticky stuff at the forefront, what do you make all this, Johnny Meter? I mean, I mean, I don't know if you saw the press conference, but did you see what when they interviewed Garrett Cole, the Yankees, or what he said? Yeah, I've seen that and I watched the uh I mean he was like the like, former pitcher, but somebody said that like, you know, again, it's all about feel. If they can't grip the baseball, so when a new baseball comes in, apparently it's like rubbed down in mud right before every game or a shipment comes in, they get them rubbed down and it takes some of the shine off and allows them to grip the ball better. Now Uh a scuff on a ball or an extra substance on the ball can help, but essentially this has been going on in baseball for a hundred years. Everybody's known it. And baseball now is trying to crack down. I did hear Garrett Cole's answer. There have been some sort of shady answers around baseball. Max Scherzer last night after the game said he didn't use anything last night and he couldn't grip the baseball basically worth a worth a crap now he ended up throwing one run ball against the hapless uh, you know the the hapless fills but the way he answered the question made it sound like previously he has used substances so some of these guys aren't even it seems like afraid to be like oh yeah i used to do this but now i can't did you hear about the punishment that's why baseball is a joke did you hear about the punishment yeah it's nothing it's a team suspension but they get paid yeah it's nothing. So what? So like what? Yeah, you're hurting your team because you're out for ten days. But what specifically? What is that? You miss one start. If you're a starting pitcher, you yeah, know, it's like crazy. Maybe a half start, but like not to hit the guys in the wallet. Why? Listen, if you know you're not going to get in trouble, why? Just look at what the Astros did. Like, why wouldn't you cheat if you knew you weren't going to get like the death penalty? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And now you, you have trust me. These, the, the, the catchers are going to have stuff. I mean, Ben Davis spoke about on WIP a couple of weeks back. He said that sure. he'd have pitchers that used to ask him, you know, to have pine tar on his shin guards or on his glove. And he was the one that could then essentially doctor the ball for his pitcher. So, you know, All it's right. not going to go away. Baseball, again, just blundering this situation. Now they're the talk again because of a controversy. Shocker with baseball. And we're not focused on the play on the field, which, by the way, a lot of games is a snooze fest. Last night's Phillies game took like four hours, and the final yeah. score was three to two. Like, yeah. uncle. You know? Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. And 
And it's not, it, I don't it, see any way for it to get any better. But I'll say this we know the pitchers have been cheating, okay? Or trying to get a competitive advantage. I, I don't see why you just don't let it continue and tell the hitters to get their competitive advantage. I mean, they were doing it. Yeah. I don't know why we have to change now and make drag out these games more with umpires checking pitchers, pissing everybody off. And I don't even know if baseball is going to get the result that it wants. But it's clear to me, having heard some of the current former pitchers talk, they're all doing it. They know they're all doing it. And nobody seemed to give a damn for however many years. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's Rob Manfred. He, he's, he's not winning commissioner of the year, that's for sure. No, exactly. I mean, just let them do what they want and play ball, Man. you know? That's it. That's it. Listen, let it go. hockey players will try and, you know, change their – goalies have equipment that they can get advantages from, right? Like, you like your skate sure. sharp in a certain way, so you skate better. Now, that's not cheating. It's not competitive advantage. It's just – that's your feel for things, right? And basketball right. guys, you know, I mean, there's not – in other sports, you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room in that area to get an advantage. Baseball is the one sport sure. where probably you can doctor things a bit to your liking, but it's been going on. So why now yeah. are we changing everything? Because the games are brutally painful, then shorten the schedule. Or, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you started start a I... runner on second base in extra innings and seven inning double headers. Like they're making other changes that aren't stirring as much up controversially and hopefully yeah. speeding the game up and making things more entertaining. Um, you know, guys are striking out at a crazy rate. If that has, is that, is, is that because Max Scherzer put sunscreen underneath his cap and, and the sweat and sun, sunscreen allow him to get a better grip on the baseball? Well, if that's the case, then give the hitters an advantage to even things out, you know, taking things away from the pitchers and trying to police everything that's been going on for so long. I just think it's just, it's very short sighted. And so far initially, I don't know if it's helped. I agree. Well said. All right, brother. What else you got for me? How was the wedding? What'd you do? You cut some rug? Uh, I cut a little rug to my favorite wedding sound. Shout, you know. I was, oh, nice. I was, you know, feeling good about it. Feeling good about it. But, right. um, you know, got to have a drink at Michael Jordan's restaurant in Jupiter. So that was cool. Nice. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I just, you know, we'll see. I just... Again, it's just disappointing. I was hoping to watch game one tonight in the Eastern Conference Finals with everyone. And now, well, back to the baseball season, I guess, Jerry. Oh, painful. I know. We're running out of games. and We're running out of NBA games. We're running out of Stanley Cup playoffs or are about to hit the final with the surprise Montreal Canadiens uh, looking like they might get in. And, and you know, yeah. so what, well, a crazy, looks- what a crazy year. Uh, well, it looks like uh, an, another eagle has moved into the uh, mainline area. So, who's that? Brandon Graham has oh, moved nice. in. Uh, nice. By the way, shout out! Shout out to the Kelsey brothers who were hanging at kicks over the weekend in Sea Isle. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, and in fact, Keith Nolan, younger brother of the Brotherly Love podcast supporter and great man Brian Michael Nolan, was right. at kicks drinking with them. Getting photos and whatnot. They're just hanging out like two average Joes. That's what you like about those boys, man. Exactly. Philly through and through for Jason Kelly, who is a Havertown resident. Got to love it. H-Town for life. No doubt. All right, Johnny. Great stuff, buddy. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. We're nearing 200 episodes. We've got to figure out where we're 
where and when we're doing number 200 live and uh, we'll make the most of it for the people you got it thanks everybody for listening really appreciate all the support from the 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 leads of the brotherly love podcast you know i will end with this and i hope it still rings true but trust the process john mita trust the process all right you got oh yeah hey one last thing shout out to k-m-m-m-m-m-m-a keith michael michael for the ticket to game five as much as it was heartbreak hotel it was a glorious euphoric first half experience up a thousand points i still can't believe they lost that game but it was the first i think the first ever nba playoff game i was at if it wasn't it was the first in a really long time and i did have a good time despite the funeral-like procession out of Wells Fargo or whatever the hell they call it these days after they blew that lead. How many processions of games have we been through like that? We've been through a lot, man. In fact, you and I someday should get our top five list of most disappointing in-person sporting events. And uh, Because I was at – I mean, I know you and I were at some championship games that were – did not end well. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there's, I was at a 93 NLCS game. I'll have to check the old ticket stub and see if that was a win or a loss against the Braves when I was 13. So what you and I, and many of those listeners and Philadelphia fans have had our fair share of, uh, of heartbreak. It seems like we can't have nice things in Philly. That, that just, as a sports fan, we, you got to learn to embrace the heartbreak. Well, Joe, real quick. Did you ask me the question, what would you do? I would trade him instantly. There's no way he can return to the organization. The fans don't like him. His teammates are souring. I think Daryl Morey sees it. Doc Rivers can say whatever the heck he wants to cover his butt and say they're going to work on it and they have a plan to fix it. There's nothing to be fixed. It's mental. It's mental. I watched a video the other day of Ben Simmons shooting in the summer league, right, when he was a rookie. He was knocking down jump shots all over the court. He doesn't even attempt those anymore, which I don't understand why. I mean, look at Trey Young the other night. What did he shoot? Three for 21? Four for yeah. 22? Uh, so what, what, why is Ben Simmons scared to have a four for 22 night? I mean, the guy had 40 points in a game this year. Yeah, he sure did. You know? uh, and so if you can do that once, why not try it the next night? Yeah. You're 6'10 or whatever. Rise up over somebody and try a jump shot. Guys airball shots all the time in the NBA. Or just become a dynamic finisher in the rim. Which he is. He's just afraid to go there. I was begging for him all series to go to the rim. This is the thing that drove me crazy watching this guy all year. As I just think back to Allen Iverson. And I know they're totally different players because of size and heart and all that stuff. But anytime you need a basket in the NBA, you just have your quickest, most most athletic guy dribble the ball into the paint and try and, you know, kiss it off the glass. Worst case, he gets fouled or you grab an offensive board. But he continued to drive into the paint and then just chuck it back to three-point land. A couple of times to Embiid. Like, how, how the hell is that your offensive strategy? It's not. It's Ben Simmons being afraid. Mentally, he's fried. Whether it's in Philly or in general with his confidence in basketball, he needs to change the scenery. He needs to move on. And I think the organization will grant that for him. All right, right, brother. Well, that was a long-winded exit because we got off on a tangent. But thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure, my friend. You got it. Go Birds.
<laughs> Go birds for the Brother Love Podcast. Y'all meet a Joel Donald. So next time we'll see.